Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. All through this Lenten season, we've been watching Jesus as he left Galilee and headed toward Jerusalem with his face set to carry out our salvation. And now today, we begin the final week of Jesus' life on earth, a celebration of all that he did during that holy week to win for us our forgiveness and our eternal life with him. Today on this Palm Sunday, we'll see Jesus' steps as he enters Jerusalem. And it's a coronation of sorts, I suppose we could say. Got me to thinking about the coronation that's coming up overseas. You probably know that this is going to happen. Maybe you didn't know the date off the top of your head. But May 6, 2023 will be the coronation for King Charles to officially rule as the monarch of Great Britain. What's interesting about that date is it's almost 70 years to the date of the last coronation that was held in Great Britain, that of Prince Charles's mother, Queen Elizabeth. That's her in the picture and the little boy pointing. That's Charles, four years old, at his mother's coronation. And now 70 years later, he is going to be coronated as the king of Great Britain. I have no inside information. I don't know exactly what that day is going to be like, but, but could we speculate a little bit this morning that it's going to be quite a celebration, quite an event, that there's going to be some extravagance that's connected to it, there's going to be great celebration in the whole land, there's going to be people who are excited to be there, who are going to report about it for days, maybe even weeks afterwards. You're not going to have any doubt by the time it's all over who the king of Great Britain is, right? And maybe we could say as Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, you could tell that he was being celebrated as something special, as a king. But it's almost hard to imagine, isn't it, that just a few days later, those shouts of Hosanna turned to shouts of crucify him? And what Jesus endured during that Holy Week reminds us that he is a different kind of king. And that's really what we want to discuss through Luke's text here in chapter 19. As we look at Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, let's rejoice that Jesus is hailed as a king. To remember that that's exactly who Jesus is, especially with the week ahead. But then secondly, to also cherish the idea that Jesus is different. That he's a unique king, and he is our king. Take a look at how Luke reminds us of the background to how this all came about, and he's speaking these words to remind us of the prophecy from Zechariah about 500 years earlier. He writes, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. This is one account in scripture of several that is recorded in all four gospels, the idea of Palm Sunday and Jesus entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Those accounts differ a little bit in their details, but the basic message is the same. Jesus entered Jerusalem as a king. One of the things that a reading of all four of those Gospels does is it sort of gives why they were ready to worship Jesus as a king. In the immediate context of Luke chapter 19, Jesus has just finished telling a parable. 
It's the parable of the ten minas. And what that parable was about is the person who's going away because he wants to be king in another place and he leaves his possessions, his money with his servants, expecting them to take care of it, be good stewards of that money for when he returns. But Luke tells us why Jesus told that parable. He tells that parable because there's an expectation on the part of the people that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. We start to realize that maybe what the people in Jerusalem were looking for wasn't necessarily a spiritual Messiah as much as a king who would rule over the nation and restore that nation to its former glory. We can understand why to an extent, can't we? Think of the miracles that Jesus had done, all of the healings, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the water, all the things that Jesus had done to prove that he was different. And John's gospel makes very clear that the event that happened in, in and around Jerusalem shortly before Palm Sunday entry was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Do you remember that Lazarus was in the grave for four days before Jesus raised him from the dead? Can you imagine the impact that would have had on the people of Jerusalem? How quickly word would have spread that Jesus raises people from the dead. And yes, those miracles made Jesus' popularity soar among the people. But it also made the religious and political leaders of the day seethe. And so all of these things are coming together as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday. And then we have the paradox, don't we? The paradox of Jesus being honored as a king but demonstrating humility at the same time. He fulfills the prophecy from Zechariah. Coming into town on a donkey or the colt, the foal of a donkey, one that had never been ridden before, just as the prophecy said. And maybe at first glance, we don't think much about that. After all, we don't think about what kind of animal we're going to ride into town on to make an impression on people. But I can tell you this, it probably wouldn't have been a donkey or a colt, the foal of a donkey, if some royalty was coming into town. It probably would have been some kind of royal steed, a, a horse, someone, something that said someone special is coming to town. Maybe to put it in today's terms, maybe we wouldn't expect someone very famous, someone who is royalty to show up to visit our town in a Honda Civic, right? I had a Honda Civic once. There's no, it's a good car. It's a nice car. But you don't expect your kings to show up in a little compact car, right? You expect them to be in a stretch limousine or, or maybe a Ford Excursion or something like that, something that says somebody important has arrived. But not Jesus. Jesus came to town on a lowly donkey. And again, we see this paradox because Jesus told the disciples exactly how it was going to happen. He only told them, if somebody questions why you're grabbing that little colt, just tell them the Lord needs it. And everything happened just the way Jesus said it was going to. He showed his omniscience in the middle middle of this humility. It's almost amazing to watch this paradox of Jesus being hailed as a king, but doing so humbly. Speaking of riding into town, maybe you know that that carriage sometimes called the coronation coach, is also called 
um, the golden state coach that exists in Great Britain. It's over 200 years old and it's been used for every coronation for, well, since the early 1800s. And yes, as King Charles is taken from Westminster Abbey back to Buckingham Palace, he and Camilla are supposed to ride in this beautiful coach that has really no value. It's so valuable they can't even really tell you how much it's worth. It's plated in gold. It will be drawn by eight horses. If you ever get a chance to visit London, it lives in the Royal Muse. If you visit the old stables, there's a museum there that has all of the coaches in it. Highly recommend putting that on your itinerary. But that's what we expect, isn't it? If a king is going to be taken around town, you expect him to be able to be recognized. That coach will say to everyone, there's the king. Again, what a difference with Jesus, who was willing to come to town on a donkey. It didn't stop the people from recognizing him, though, did it? And Luke tells us exactly how it all went down. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And, he went, and as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. What a scene that Luke lays out for us. As Jesus comes down the street, the people line the street and cheer him on, honoring him with their words, scattering their cloaks. Did they even know what they were doing? Did they know exactly who Jesus was? We aren't told. But they honored him as a king. That idea of, of putting a cloak on a donkey for Jesus to ride on or laying cloaks on the road, maybe you've seen an old-fashioned thing where, where a, a person will lay down their cloak in a puddle for someone to walk across. I, I don't know. I, I imagine that our students here today uh, take pride in the, the coats that they get to wear during the winter to walk back and forth from class. And maybe you like that coat so much you can't even imagine like throwing it on the ground for the cars to drive over. But that's what people were doing, taking their outer robes and throwing them on the ground to be trampled by this donkey that Jesus was riding on a sign of respect and honor. Luke's gospel doesn't talk about it, but the other gospels tell us about the palm branches that people were cutting down and waving. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Maybe just a little aside there, if people are critical of the Bible, they often read the four Gospels accounts and say, see, they don't report the event exactly the same. And it's true, they don't. But they don't contradict each other either. And I suppose if I picked four people out of the congregation today and said, if you all witness the same event, will you describe the event to me? You might all describe it just a little bit differently. But the basic facts would be the same. That's what the Gospels do too. And so you have some Gospels reporting that people shouted the word Hosanna, a Hebrew term that means, oh, save. No matter the case, what you have is people recognizing Jesus as a king. And they even say that he has authority to be in that position. He's come in the name of the Lord. That shows that he has come with the authority of, of God the Father himself. And then what he comes to bring, the people say, is peace, Peace on earth and glory in the highest heaven. I couldn't help when I heard that phrase again to have a little flashback. Did it happen to you? Peace on earth, glory to the highest heaven. Does it take you back to Bethlehem, to Jesus' birth? Isn't that exactly what the angels sang as the shepherds had come 
to the manger to see Jesus. Glory to God in the highest and, on peace, and peace on earth to people on whom God's favor rests. There are some similarities, aren't there, between the birth of Jesus and his entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. There's a measure of, of definite glory, of seeing that this is something special that's happening. It was the angels singing the praises of the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. It, it's the people singing the praises of Jesus the King. But it's Jesus born in humble circumstances in Bethlehem, laid in a manger as he's wrapped in strips of cloth, and it's Jesus riding a, a lowly donkey as he comes into Jerusalem. That peace that people were wanting Jesus to bring leaves us with a question. Were they thinking of the kind of peace that Jesus truly came to bring, or were they thinking more of an earthly peace? Again, I think we can understand how the misunderstanding had happened. The people of Israel had once enjoyed immense glory in the kingdom that God had given them as David and Solomon ruled over that kingdom. And then slowly that was taken away from them. And now they were under the oppressive Roman rule and all they wanted was a Messiah to come and to end their oppression. Scriptures talked about a king that was coming, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But the misunderstanding came in when people couldn't think through the fact that Jesus was coming to suffer and die, that he would be smitten, stricken, and afflicted. Then I think about us. And I think about, in a different way, we have the exact same thoughts, don't we? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was someone who would give us more help with our earthly lives? Wouldn't it be great if we never had to worry about Anything in this life because Jesus would just take every obstacle out of our way, make sure that life was comfortable, that we were well-fed, that our bank accounts were full. And we ask questions, don't we? Questions like this. If Jesus is really a king, then how come there was another school shooting this past week? If Jesus is really a king, then why do things like tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes and things like that happen? And it's easy for us to look at God and say, if you're really as powerful as you say you are, then why do all of these terrible things happen in this world? It's a tough question to wrestle with, isn't it? Because we know it's true. That if God truly wanted to, he could keep every bad thing from ever happening in this world and to us too. So when we ask the question, why doesn't he? We have to dig deep. And Palm Sunday gives us a little clue, doesn't it? It isn't about this life that Jesus is concerned. It's not that he doesn't want to keep you safe. It's not that he's not guiding you all the way to an eternity with him. But Jesus knows that sin ruined what God intended to be a perfect world. And all of those things that happen are a result of that sin. And what God wants for you and me is to make it out of this sinful world, to be with him forever in the joy of heaven. He doesn't give us specific answers to specific tragedies. I can't ever tell you why something happened the way it did, but I can tell you what the Bible says, that God is love, that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to go to a cross for you, that he was willing to suffer so that you and I never have to, that he was our king who defeated every single enemy that we have. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. The devil defeated. 
You and I never have to fight those battles on our own because they're already won by Jesus. That's what it means that Jesus is our king. He's rescued us not for a better life here, but for the joy of eternity. Not everybody was thrilled about the fact that Jesus had come and was being honored by people. Luke tells it this way, Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The glory that Jesus was receiving from the crowds, again, was rightfully given. He is the king of kings, but the Pharisees took special note. They even approach Jesus and say, you need to tell your disciples, you need to tell these people to stop honoring you as a king. See, the Pharisees thought it was blasphemy because how could Jesus be taking the praise of the people as a king? And then what Jesus says next, it's kind of striking, isn't it? I suppose Jesus could say, I could tell all of the people to be quiet, but if that happened, then the stones would cry out. Brings to mind, doesn't it, Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Even the stones, Jesus says, would confess that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. But there again, we see how Jesus is such a unique king because he was rightly receiving the praise of the people And yet it didn't change his cross-bound journey. He was still willing to subject himself to a horrible death, a humble death, a death on a cross, a death that paid for the sins of all people, including yours and mine. In his trial before Pilate, Jesus acknowledged that he was a king. When Pilate asked him that question, Jesus simply said, My kingdom is not of this world. Again, we see that Jesus came to this life not to set up a beautiful place for us to exist in this sinful world, but to remind us that all of our enemies are defeated and a place with him is waiting for us in the perfect glory of heaven. We're going to see a lot in Jesus' life in the week ahead. A lot of the ups and downs of Holy Week, a lot of times where Jesus looks like anything but a king. And yet Palm Sunday is a good reminder that we have the victory, that Jesus truly is the king. And if the stones would cry out on that first Palm Sunday to praise Jesus, then our praise is exactly what Jesus is looking for as well. I'm going to give you just a real little bit of trivia today from the Bible. You might know that there are 150 psalms in the Bible and you might know that many of those psalms are all about praise and and us praising God for all of his goodness. But do you know what the last three words of the last verse of Psalm 150 are? It's actually repeated twice. I'll put it on the board. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's what we get to do here on Palm Sunday. That's what we get to do even as we watch Jesus be crucified and it's what we get to do next Sunday when he rises from the dead to guarantee our place with him forever in heaven. A couple takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem reminds us that he is a king. Zechariah's prophecy says it so well. See, your king comes to you. Number two, Jesus humbly served as our king and defeated all of our enemies. In his, apostle, or in his epistle, the Apostle John wrote this in 1 John chapter 4. He said, You, dear children, are of God, and you have overcome your enemies because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
Finally, number three, we praise Jesus because we have a place in his eternal kingdom. James wrote it this way in his first chapter, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because when they do so, they will inherit a crown of life that's been prepared for them and that the Lord has promised them. So here we are, looking at Jesus crossbound. We have a week ahead of us where we will see those final steps from the meal that he served to his disciples on Monday, Thursday, to the trials and crucifixion on Sunday, and back to the joy of his resurrection on Sunday. Don't forget the coronation of Jesus. Don't forget the praises of the people and your own praises, even as we walk through this week. We can imagine what it's going to be like when, when an earthly king has a coronation and how the newspapers and the magazines and the television shows and, and everyone's going to cover that in great detail. But you and I get to read something that's God's own word, the Bible, that reminds us of what Jesus came to this earth to do how he was resolute in his journey to Jerusalem and a journey all the way to the cross. You see, this next week, this holy week, everything that Jesus did, he did with you in mind, with me in mind, with all people. He came to this earth to be the king that we needed, the one who defeated all of our enemies. And because he rises on Easter Sunday, we know that he did. And our place with him in heaven is secure forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.